All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and get started. Right now, that's everybody stand up and shout. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> that just seems so appropriate, Rick. Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back. At this point in time, we're going to give everybody a few minutes to continue to settle in after lunch, but we have a couple of reports that we needed to get done today as well. So first, uh, we are going to hear from uh, Dr. Brett Oppegaard, who is a professor of communications at the University of Hawaii, and he is the principal driver of the Unity uh, application whose mission it is to audio describe the 400 plus visitors brochures across all of our national parks and historic sites. So at this point in time, I'd love to introduce to you all the way from Honolulu, Hawaii, Brett Oppegaard. Aloha everyone, can you say it back to me, aloha. All right, I like this introduction. I feel like I'm in a band or something on the road. Uh, this is great. I'm, I'm uh, really excited to be in Omaha. This is my first time. My first time at the ACB convention. I'm, I've been meeting a lot of really interesting people and having some great conversations. Uh, I'm hopeful I'll get to talk with you. So if you want to catch up with me, I'll tell you in a little bit how to make that happen. In short, as uh, Dan said, I've been working with the uh, American Council of the Blind for the past five years or so, uh, uh, collaborating with national parks. And our main goal is to make the national parks as, as accessible to everyone as possible. So that's a, kind of an abstract goal, but we're working at it. How do we do that? We have um, a couple things that you might be interested in. Number one, if you've ever heard of a hackathon, this is like a exciting activity where people get together and they make computer programs and they kind of solve the problems of the world. We do that same thing, but we call it a descriptathon, and we do that with audio description. And we bring together teams of people um, to work on audio description in national parks. This is a three full day uh, Zoom session, basically, where you get put on a small team. You are connected with park staff, uh, other ACB members, volunteers from around the country, and the goal of that descriptathon is to make um, description from national parks, or for national parks, and then these descriptions are available via our project's free mobile apps. <clears throat> so during this, um, during this descriptathon, we uh, really spend most of our time studying and um, uh, creating audio description. Uh, we think about processes and products of audio description and how those can be done better. And on these small teams, uh, our goal is to make them as uh, equitable as possible so everybody on the team has an equal place. Uh, the description is done in a co-creation process, meaning that it's not uh, something where the park staff makes the description and hands it to the ACB member and says thumbs up and thumbs down. It's uh, more along the lines of everybody's working and talking uh, together about like how can we make this uh, image description uh, really help people. 
And so that's a great part of the descriptathon. And as and in the descriptathon, a big component of that is building our community. So we want to build a community of people who care about national parks, who care about audio description, who care about accessible media and, and public places. And uh, what we found over the years that is that people want to share portrait photographs of each other in our different computer systems to get to know each other better. And one thing I've no noticed over the years is that uh, not that many ACB members have a photograph ready to share and uh, not that many ACB members have an audio description of that photograph ready to share. <clears throat> so I want to change that. And in the last few weeks, um, I've been taking photographs of uh, folks at the Hawaii Association of the Blind. I think a few of them are here. I give a shout out if they are. Yeah, there we are. And uh, we came here uh, to Omaha to set up a photo, photo studio in the Flatiron Room, and we're taking free portrait photographs. You can come down there. I'll take your picture. We have um, a process we've developed to uh, help you think about how you want to describe yourself. And um, we basically co-create that description with you. We email you the photograph, we email you the description, and um, at the end of the 10, 15 minute process, you, you end up with the portrait, the audio description, and uh, you can take that with you. This is on the second floor of the Hilton. If you want to join us, we'll be there I'll, I'll, I'll be staying as late as people are hanging out. Uh, I have scheduled appointments till about 3.34, and then if people are hanging out in the hall, I'll, I'll stay there. A couple, a couple folks uh, here have stopped by and asked what we're doing, and I've said we're making uh, photographs of people, you know, getting portraits of people, and they said, well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want a portrait of myself? And I can sympathize. I don't like taking portraits of myself either. I, you know, it's not a very comfortable thing, but um, I've also worked with folks to make these uh, photographs over the last couple days, and here's some of the things they told me. They will put their photographs on their blogs and their social media, including Facebook. They'll put it on their email, their company websites, um, school work environments. They want to share with their peers. All these different things people have told me they want to do with these, these uh, photographs. Oh, dating sites. Somebody told me dating sites, so they want to get on dating sites. That's good. And uh, however you want to use it, it's up to you. We're just going to try to help you uh, get these uh, digital images in your email and ready to share. Um, like it or not, I'd say we live in a world that, that's heavily oriented toward visual media. Today, there are 240,000 photos put out on Facebook. 65,000 photos put out on Instagram, 500 hours of video put out on YouTube, every minute, not in the whole day, every minute that much is pouring out. It's like a fire hose of visual media. That's just a drop in the bucket, that's just three channels that I thought you'd be interested in, but that's the kind of shift society is making towards visual media right now. It's, it's uh, an enormous exponential shift toward visual media. And when that media is being made, it's also leaving some people behind, disenfranchising people who can't see it, and it's putting uh, people in situations where they can't participate 
in public discourse, be involved in public places uh, because of this inaccessible public media. Now, audio description is not a silver bullet. It's not going to solve every problem. Audio description is just part of the answer and part of the way to make better uh, media, big, more accessible media. But I think it's an important part. And we've been uh, spending a lot of time thinking about, uh, for example, how will uh, a, a person who shares this portrait uh, communicate to somebody else what it, what it uh, looks like. So on my portrait, for example, I usually uh, describe it as saying I'm a 51-year-old American man. I'm white in the abstract with ancestral origins in the United Kingdom and Norway. Indicating these ancestral roots, I have blue eyes, a pinkish tan skin, dark brown hair. I'm six feet tall, 210 pounds. Today I'm wearing a light gray Aloha shirt with black pants. Um, little details like that probably help you picture me and probably will help you uh, better connect with me in some way. Um, and that's the kind of description that I can do in five to ten seconds that basically makes uh, my appearance here a little bit more accessible. And I think that's the kind of thing that um, we can easily do in our media to help make uh, all these platforms more accessible. So by building these social identities, uh, regardless of how much uh, any person in particular can see of it, we can create a, a, an identity that can cross these platforms and can help to uh, share your individual um, persona with the world. And you can be in charge of it. Instead of other people projecting onto you what they see, you can tell people what you see in your image, what you think about in your image. And I think everyone deserves that right to define yourself and your identity to your peers, to your colleagues, to your friends and family. And part of that process is having an image of yourself. So I want you to be able to create that, share it, and I'm help I just want to let you know I'm here to help you do that. So I hope you stop by the Flatiron Room today. Again, I'll be there till about 3.30 or 4 to participate in this project. And um, if you don't want your photo, just come by and say hi. Aloha, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Yeah. Thank you to our colleague, Dr. Brett Oppergaard. Let's give him a very round of applause. And please stop by and see him if you get a chance. All right, next, we are going to hear from our final group of ACB 2022 scholarship winners. The American Council of the Blind, ACB, and the American Foundation for the Blind, AFB, are again partnering together to offer educational scholarships ranging from $2,500 to $7,500 for legally blind students. Congratulations to our 2022 scholarship recipients. Gabriel Gates is from Thornton, Colorado. He is a graduate student pursuing a degree in leadership and education equity in support of his new career in disability support services in higher education. This fall, he'll be attending the University of Colorado in Denver, Colorado. Gabriel is receiving the Sadler and Dillman Scholarship. A dark-haired man with mustache and goatee. Ultimately, it's the opportunity to pay it forward. With my experiences with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that whole entire movement, 
and being a change facilitator, change facilitator, I want to add my voice and amplify that voice into a roaring voice that demands change where change is needed. Yes, we've had the opportunity to come to the table and now we're sitting at the table, but I believe it's time to turn that voice into action where we take abstract ideas and manifest those into tangible outcomes for all parts of our life, which includes uh, education, vocation, recreation, uh, all aspects, so that everybody can receive inclusivity. Avery Celine is from Cary, North Carolina. She is an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in biology. This fall, she will be attending the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Avery is receiving the Rucks and Burson Scholarship. A white woman with long, dark blonde hair. I've been um, volunteering at a special needs camp for the past four years, and um, I really enjoyed it. And I got to learn a lot about um, different accommodations for different disabilities, and it made me want to do that um, as a career. Camille O'Neill is from Gretna, Nebraska. She is an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in business data analytics. This fall, she'll be attending Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Camille is receiving the Business and Accounting Subcommittee Floyd Qualls Scholarship. A white woman with glasses and shoulder length dark hair. So what got me interested in my field of study was I took an AP statistics class my uh, junior year and then I was doing like some research about um, analytics careers because I thought that class was really interesting. And then I learned that I could combine um, my love of sports with my love of math and statistics. And I also talked to some people that worked in the field of sports analytics. John Jirasi is from Wayburn, Massachusetts. He is an undergraduate student pursuing a degree in communication and media studies and a minor in religion and theological studies. This fall, he will be attending Merrimack College in North Andover, Massachusetts. John is receiving the Bay State Council of the Blind Scholarship. A white, fair-skinned man. So I've always been very interested in the media, um, like media, radio, TV, journalism, whatever. Um, when I was younger, you know, I always used to kind of listen to the radio for like my favorite programs, um, you know, watch TV, you know, look at the news, whatever. Um, but I've always also kind of been pretty socially awkward. Um, and I've always kind of wanted to kind of know the theory behind like why we communicate the way we do and how we communicate, things like that. Um, so choosing to be a communications major was kind of a no brainer for me. Um, I've really enjoyed a lot of my classes because they've been very theory focused and I feel like I've actually become less awkward socially because I've applied what I've learned to my classes. Um, into the real world, which is really nice. Um, you know, not something that maybe a lot of communication majors can relate to, um, but I've also really liked learning about the theory around the media that I consume every day. Gania Osasi is from San Antonio, Texas, but is originally from Algeria. She is an entering freshman interested in pursuing a degree in health information technology. This fall, she will be attending Austin Community College Gania is receiving the Ross N. Pangier Scholarship. A woman with her blonde streaked hair pulled back. 
actually my current field on study is health information technology because I'm so proud of what they achieved. I had just three days ago, I was accepted in the health information technology program at Austin Community College, which is my, my dream to study this field and to achieve my goal as a PhD on health information technology in the future. Gabriel Gates. My greatest accomplishment was making it through my classes through the pandemic. Right? Mm. All the years of resiliency that I have built up had helped me to take on, even having to um, draw back on my course load, whatever it took so that I can continue on with my education and work at the same time has really been my greatest accomplishment. So I really owe it to all that resiliency. Avery Salim. Um, I would probably say getting into the college of my dreams is probably my biggest accomplishment. Um, I Growing up, I always wanted to go to UNC, but I always heard it's really tough to get in. You have to work really hard. Um, and I'm really proud that I was able to get in. Camille O'Neill. Um, my greatest accomplishment is I was selected as one of 10 students out of a class of uh, 600 students to win the Outstanding Student of the Year Award my um, junior year. This award um, is the students that win the award are nominated by their teachers for their character and involvement both inside and outside the classroom. John Garrisey. My greatest accomplishment, I'd say, is related to uh, my involvement in student government at school. Um, so in March, um, I proposed some part of the diversity committee on student government. And in March, um, I kind of had a little mini meeting with the chair of the diversity committee um, to talk about like ideas for like diversity stuff next year, whatever, um, in, in the new school year. Um, and I proposed to him that, you know, there is, you know, I've, I'm also working at admissions. So I knew this, that we did have a more larger than normal amount of disabled students applying to the college um, for the following school year um, and kind of going off of the ride service, which is used a lot in the Boston area where I'm from. Um, I proposed the idea to him to reach out to the uh, head of the accessibility office to try and see if we could get like a campus paratransit service, like a, a dial up ride service on campus to get people to different areas, kind of in the outlying areas of campus as well as to areas in the surrounding town of Andover. Um, so I had a few meetings with the uh, head of accessibility services and different uh, disability service people over two weeks uh, following that. And I'm happy to announce that uh, as of September, 2022, we're going to have a paratransit service on campus. And it's because of that um, initial interaction, which is really nice. Gania Usasi. My greatest accomplishment, like I have like two or more than two or three, because one of them, it was when I came here, I came to the United States on July 2018 as blind people, blind person, because my family, everybody, they said, you can't do that. But I told them, I, I know I can do, I can travel with Allah alone. Then I did, I did it without any hesitation because I need to live my, my life as an independent girl. 
Then my second, because I never speak English in my life. Then my second, my second accomplishment, it was when I, when I took my ASL classes at Austin Community College and all my grades with A, and I think I have just one, one B. And then when I, when I was in the three, the level three, they asked them, all my professors and that my the admission record, they told me, if you want to skip your level four, you are just perfect to start your prerequisite classes. This one is my, yeah. Gabriel. So I am a born again Christian. I had an encounter with God back in December of 2018, and he has come into my life and changed everything. He has renewed my entire life. He has encouraged me and strengthened me to do anything that I can. And I am proud and grateful and humble to call Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Avery. One fun fact about me is that I'm a triplet. Um, so I have two other sisters that are the same age as me. Um, they're both fully sighted, but we're really close and they've helped me a lot um, with navigating stuff. So people, a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Camille. I've had to overcome um, a lot of challenges. In addition to my um, ROP diagnosis, which caused my visual impairment, I also have uh, mild cerebral palsy. So during my uh, freshman and sophomore years of high school, I had to have two um, pretty major surgeries um, to try to fix my gait pattern and improve my stamina to help me um, be more independent and be able to navigate a college campus easier um, as far as like physically. John. Uh, so something I'd like to share about myself that people might not know about me is that I've been, I've been starting to get into uh, DJing lately, um, kind of going off of like how I was kind of into radio as a kid. Um, I've started to DJ for different events on campus um, for like different clubs or like fraternities, things like that. Um, and it's been really nice kind of watching my skills kind of evolve over the last semester and hopefully continue to grow over the summer as I um, will be on campus for a good chunk of the summer as well. Um, the hard part about that is, is that the equipment is actually owned by the college and not by me. So I don't have access to it right now being home. Um, but I've really enjoyed kind of using it and dabbling in it and eventually, you know, eventually getting into DJing for different organizations on campus. And it's got me more involved. Gania. I am a very challenged person. First, when I, I, I came to the United States, and another one, when I took all my ASL classes with grade A. And lastly, I want to just say the lastly, it was when I was at CCRC, the Criscoll Rehabilitation Center, you know, at Austin. I, all my classes, I, I take the high score for all my like technology class, uh, orientation mobility, daily, daily living skills, and my OM class. This one I took them all with the high grade, and all my professors and staff, especially my director, she's very proud of me. And because I involved on the community to help people with disabilities, especially with the blind, especially blind people. Because I am blind, I like to help other people, like to make life easiest. A logo, ACB, in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. All right, congratulations to the last group of our 2022 ACB scholarship winners. What a wonderful group.
All right, next we are going to hear from our International Relations Committee. They had a wonderful idea this year to propose a Voices Around the World scholarship winner that could participate in our convention, remotely of course, but allow them to really experience an ACB convention. And they would have up to five people that got selected through an essay contest to uh, have scholarships to our ACB convention this year. And so I'd like to introduce Maria Christick, chair of the International Relations Committee, to have a conversation with our first prize winner. Thank you, and hello ACB. I bring greetings from the entire International Relations Committee. We are delighted to introduce the winners of our first annual International Voices Contest. We, the International Relations Committee, launched this contest this year, this initiative, because we know how valuable international attendees have found our convention. We have international attendees every year from several countries, and they tell us how they find the convention so useful and enjoyable for the information sharing, for receiving ideas on approaches to handle difficult advocacy situations, for the inspiration of hearing other success stories, and for the networking with others who are blind or low vision. And so we wanted more people to know about us and to know about the support that we provide at these conventions and to be able to take advantage of that. And also, we know that with international currency conversions, for some, the uh, convention fees might be a challenge. And so we also wanted to provide, if needed, some assistance to those who might not otherwise be able to attend. So we asked entrants to submit audio recordings of up to 10 minutes in length, sharing their blindness experiences in their countries, their message to blind people in US, and why they wished to attend the convention. And as I mentioned, these recipients received complimentary registration to our convention. The first place winner also had the opportunity, as you will shortly hear, to address the general session. So I'm pleased now to introduce our three recipients for this, our first group. We have from Finland, Sirku Hainaluoto, who is a musician, a retired massage therapist. She's active in the blindness advocacy in her local community in Finland. And she's also active in ACB community. You may know her from several musically focused calls. And all, from UK, we also have Victoria or Tori Ziegler. She's a children's book author and the author of the Toby Tales series of children's books on adjusting to vision loss. And she's also active in the ACB community as both a facilitator and a host. So congratulations to both of them. And now I am pleased to introduce our first place winner, Pritam Sankavali from India. Pritam works as a manager at a large Indian conglomerate, and he's been on quite a journey so far to get there. So Pritam, congratulations and a warm welcome. Hey Maria, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. And thank you so much to the International Relations Committee um, and to ACB again. Um, I've been on quite a few ACB Zoom calls and I've found them incredibly helpful and incredibly fun. 
I'm very happy to hear that. And we're glad to have you here. So I mentioned there about your journey to successful employment. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So I, um, I have retinitis pigmentosa. And so I've pretty much, uh, I've been visually impaired pretty much my whole life. And we, I grew up um, in a small city in India called Vishakapatnam. And so we had very limited uh, resources um, for uh, visually impaired people growing up. So I ended up going to regular schools and I did not really even learn Braille in the beginning. Um, most, of, uh, most of my education was done either orally or through computers. So I was introduced to screen readers and computers uh, around fifth grade. And as I, um, as I grew up, I kind of took an interest in, in economics and later business. And after my, after my college, uh, you know, undergraduate college, I was um, in, a, a, in a kind of job fair um, for a large American um, tech company. Um, and while I was interviewing for them, I was told that they would not be able to um, have uh, assistive software on their systems because it would be a security issue. And so I, I kind of, they, they kind of said that, you know, they, it wouldn't really work out. And for me at that point of time, I was uh, not very aware. And so the only thing that got into my head was that um, it's way easier for them to hire an able-bodied, a sighted candidate, and they wouldn't have to put too much effort into that. And so I, uh, I was determined that I would um, excel and I would better myself. And so in India for, um, for postgraduate education, um, if you want to get a management education, if you would like to get an MBA, uh, there's an exam that you have to take, which is incredibly competitive. And so I, I kind of dedicated myself to preparing for that exam. Um, about uh, 190,000 people took the exam in my year, and there were about 4,000 seats um, in these premier uh, Indian institutes of management. So I managed to get in, uh, get into one of the best um, MBA colleges in India. And later I was recruited by uh, a company that really recognizes me uh, for the, uh, you know, for the diversity that I bring in and um, provides me uh, a great platform to build my career on. Well, that is wonderful. It's so great when you find those companies that get it, that get that you can be an asset and the diverse perspectives you can bring. And so uh, very good that you um, did, did find that. And so with some of these uh, struggles, as you indicated, that you went through and, and this journey that um, you went on, would, that you've been on so far, um, what advice would you have for any uh, you know, young people, blind students, or those who've uh, graduated and are now seeking employment? So the first thing I'd like to say is um, we as visually impaired people should be incredibly persistent. I know the world is, um, is way more inclusive than it used to be. But even today, there are many times that uh, we be like, oh, I don't think I can take it anymore. Uh, you know, I don't think I can fit into the workforce, things like that. But the thing is, um, we need to be persistent and we need to make sure that um, we are out there advocating for ourselves and not really, um, uh, you know, not really denying um, employment opportunities just because we think 
you know we couldn't we cannot perform there so that's one thing we need to advocate for ourselves also one thing i've noticed um, while i'm working here is that we need to let our work speak for itself so many times there are things that uh, my managers might think uh, i might find difficult doing and then i end up doing it in my own way and proving to them that i can perform so letting your work speak for itself at least for me has been um, has been very powerful wonderful and I, i also think what struck me about as you were talking about your journey is that you turned an adverse experience into an opportunity for growth and i think that is uh, really important as well to not let those setbacks stop you from achieving your goals and so right. uh, yeah and so um I'd like to also um ask you so what are your thoughts you know you've you're uh, as an international attendee you say you've already um attended some of the ACV events and now you'll be uh attending the convention so um what are your thoughts on how ACV yes we have american in our name and we're primarily focused on the american population but you know we don't operate in a vacuum and so um do you have any thoughts on um how is ACV providing currently or how can it uh, better provide some of this uh, information and collaborate and uh, collaborate as well with the international community right so for me um the us has been pretty um uh, pivotal to where i am now so most of my orientation and mobility training took place in the us and quite a uh, quite a bit of my family actually lives in the us and that's how i was introduced to acp because um during the pandemic i spent quite a bit of time um with my sister in austin texas and um i was introduced to the acp community zoom calls and i started attending the calls and i made a couple of friends and it was really great the sense of community and, and all the diverse range of discussions that would happen um and there was a lot that i learned and you know i wanted to bring it back to india and maybe start communities Uh, of that nature here as well but um uh, in terms of what acb can really do for um uh, the international population i think the zoom calls are um uh, are a great start because you know obviously you can access them from anywhere in the world um and in addition to that i believe um some uh couple of groups maybe country specific groups i know it's american but you know you could have an india call or uh, a call for europe uh, for the uk per, probably uh, in terms of their timings and there is a, a large enough community that these calls could actually work out in uh, in india time or um, you know in european time things like that just make them a little more accessible so that i don't have to stay up uh, you know and attend calls in the middle of the night yeah um also languages probably maybe have a couple of acb calls in different languages um i know most of us here in india speak english but i'm sure there's a significant population that does not and maybe get calls for them uh speakers of that language in the us of course could also join in and you know something like that could be done but yeah the, all of this kind of hinges on uh, the sense of community that uh, the zoom calls have provided for us 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I've definitely heard that from uh, others regarding how uh, difficult it is with time zones. And I think ACB is now starting some Spanish language content as well. So that comment about calls in other languages is definitely being heard. So thank you for that. Is there anything else that you'd uh, wish to add that we haven't covered? Um, maybe one final thing is uh, in terms of the support I received in the U.S., um, especially regarding accessible technology and um, orientation and mobility training. And I feel um, here in India, those are two areas that have incredible potential. And, you know, there's so much that can be done in terms of taking uh, accessibility and OM training to the masses. Um, there is quite a bit that I'm doing myself, but obviously if anyone's willing to collaborate and, you know, we could uh, take it to the next level, that would be incredible. So yeah, that, that's about it from me. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if anyone is hearing about this and has ideas, you definitely reach out and connect. And I wish you continued good luck with all you're doing there for the blindness community in India. I'm sure something like a local Zoom community would be very welcome as well. And so thank you uh, so much again, Pritam. Congratulations to you. And congratulations thank you. Yeah. And congratulations. Thank again. you for having me. And I look forward to the networking opportunities. Absolutely. Look forward to connecting with you more as well. And congratulations again to Sirku and Tori as well. So again, we on the International Relations Committee, we hope that you have enjoyed meeting our International Voices winner as much as we did. And we look forward to presenting another vibrant and diverse and talented group again next year. So thank you so much again and enjoy the rest of convention. Thank you, Maria, and thank you on launching a wonderful program uh, with the International Relations Committee. All right, at this point in time, we are moving on with resolutions, resolutions, and nothing but resolutions. So at this point in time, do I have Gabe Griffith uh, ready to go on Zoom? Yes, sir. Thank you, Gabe. And Nancy, do we have the Zoom room manned and are all hands down? Okay. All, all hands, hands are down. Are down in Clark, Zoom. do we have Zoom connectivity? Yes. We have Zoom connectivity. Gabe, I'll now ask you to introduce our next resolution, which I believe is resolution 14 on audio, live audio description in performing arts venues. Yes, sir, that is it. Resolution 2022-14, equal access to live theater, submitted by Susan Masrui. Whereas every live theater performance is inherently unique and live theater provides the ability of an actor to spontaneously respond to the energy of an audience and other performers, and whereas audio description is essential for theater goers who are blind or have low vision to be able to comprehend settings, action, and other visual elements of theater performances, and whereas some theaters are choosing to provide pre-recorded descriptions that may not be accurately synchronized with the live performances and cannot possibly capture the nuances of live theater, and whereas Titles 2 and 3 of the Americans with Disabilities Act guarantee the right of people with disabilities to receive effective auxiliary aids and services unless doing so would constitute an undue burden, and whereas this requirement applies to public and private theater owners, operators, 
or lessees. And whereas theater and production companies may be unaware that recorded descriptions cannot effectively communicate the visual elements of a live performance, now therefore be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization strongly encourages and shall work to promote the use by theater companies of live audio description as the only effective means of communicating the visual elements to the blind theater goers. All right, thank you, uh, Guillermo. And uh, Gabe, what is the recommendation from the Resolutions Committee? Resolutions Committee recommends a new path and I so move. All right, thank you, Gabe. Uh, Nancy, are all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down in the Zoom room. All right. Do I wish to have, does anybody wish to have a point of order, information, or clarification related to this resolution? First, from the ballroom, is there anyone seeking a mic? Mr. President, point of clarification. Yes. This is Ray Campbell. Um, the resolution says titles two and three of the ADA. Wouldn't that just be title three of the ADA? All right, I'll, I'll ask uh, Gabe for clarification. All I did hear uh, Michael from the front row said it is both. But and, Gabe, and, uh, I'm not, I'm admittedly not an ADA expert, but we did discuss this in committee and, and determined that there are elements of both titles of the ADA that, that okay. apply to this. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Yep. Uh, Casey Dutton from Michigan for a point of clarification. Yes, please. Um, in this resolution, you asked for a live performances. Some theaters only do it like once a week. So are we saying that we want all performances to have live video? Live audio description? I, I believe the, uh, I'll ask Gabe to maybe clarify the intent of the resolution, but I think the, uh, the goal would be to move in that direction as much as possible. That was kind of the resolution to move in that direction. And I believe also yes. there's, is that correct, Gabe? Yes, that is correct. All right. And, and we do understand that there could be extenuating circumstances, but we want it whenever possible for them to move in that direction. Right, I think the other area of this is in some cases uh, where theaters are going to is a level of kind of pre-programmed uh, kind of synthetic description. So this would be, again, promoting live description. All right. We could, Sheila Gunn we're, we're only hearing points of information, clarification, or points of order. Go ahead. Sheila Gunn. Yes, I'm here. Thanks. Um, I think that some theaters are very low budget, don't have a lot of money, and I'm wondering if we could clarify in the resolution that, um, Gabe, you half answered my question saying that there are, um, could be extenuating circumstances. Could we, could we carve that out a bit and make it clearer? I, I don't, I believe that's asking to modify the resolution. That's not a point of clarification. But right now it asks for, it, it's not, it's asking for so theaters when should to I ask this question? <laughs> to move in that direction. Yes. Okay, next question. Joel Snyder. 
Joel Snyder. Thank you, Joel. If you wish to point of sure. information or clarification. Thank you, Mr. President Dan. Uh, in response to the comment that came up about more or less performances with description, that is the subject of a resolution that will be coming up later in the day. Um, it is, uh, I can pull up uh, the, it is uh, number uh, 26, dates for live theater presentations of audio described performances. This, res which is also put forward by Susan Mazrui, uh, this particular resolution has to do with not doing recorded description for live performance. Right. So truly live voices for live performances. That's correct, Joel? Correct, yes. Thank you, okay. Thank you for that clarification. Do we have any other hands raised in the Zoom room? Nancy. Linda Faust. Linda Faust, you're recognized. I realize that this isn't about changing the amendment, but I'd like to be assured that accessibility is also uh, inclusive of people like myself who are deafblind, who actually had a bad experience um, with non-accessibility at a theater. Okay, thank you for that question. I, Gabe, right now, does it include any additional accessibility for those that are deafblind in the resolution, for clarification? Uh, no, this is simply on a live audio description, as, as Joel had mentioned a moment well, ago. Well, uh, I guess what, what I'm getting at is, when I went, I didn't have live audio description, nor did I have uh, they gave me, you know, headphones that weren't suitable for my hearing aid. So it's a, you know, I'm all supportive of for the, you know, audio description for people that are visually impaired like myself. But I just wanted the additional clarification as well. Yep, I think it would be. I mean, obviously, the ADA covers accessibility in all forms, but this is this is directed towards recorded information uh, that is presented at live performances. So yeah, I realize the, rec the recorded information thank, came thank in you. handy because they sent me the play to watch at home, which was second best to actually seeing the play live. So I was grateful for that. And that's the other clarification. So Th thank you, Linda. Any other hands raised in the Zoom room? There are no other hands raised in Zoom. All right. I will now please make sure all hands stayed lower, stayed load, lowered. Ooh, that's easy for me to say. Please lower all hands. That sounds much better. All, all hands right. are lowered. All right. Thank you. All right. Now we will uh, open debate on this or any opportunity for debate or discussion on this. Just so everybody knows, our parliamentarian and, and we have concurred that the what our standing rules call for is a total of 20 minutes for debate and discussion which includes these as always has in our in our allotted time the questions for clarification and information so it's all part of that 20-minute window so now who wishes to speak for this resolution from the floor who wishes to speak for this resolution from the floor yes michael i am absolutely in support of this resolution but to comment about the discussion which was just taking place, the accommodations in live audio description that are relevant to people who are deafblind 
often involve the uh, activities of SSPs to provide that service. I believe that it's something that we should support, but I believe it is a separate resolution than this one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Anyone from the floor uh, in the ballroom that would like to speak in favor of this resolution? And again, we don't have to have a lot of speakers. We can go ahead and call the question when we get to that. But if we hear a hearing none, I, I have some Nancy, do we have anybody in the Zoom room? I like have Holly Turry. Holly, do you wish to speak for the resolution? Yes. Okay, please hold. We've got you down as the first person to speak in favor. Is there anyone who wishes to speak in opposition to this resolution? In the ballroom, is there anyone who wishes to speak in opposition? Hearing none. Is there anyone in Zoom that wishes to speak in opposition to this resolution? Please raise yes. your hand. Sheila Gunn Cushman. Sheila. Yes, yes, if we can't modify it. You wish to speak in opposition. Okay, thank you. I will call on Michael Byington to speak for the resolution. You already did, okay, well thank you. Then I will ask uh, for Sheila to speak and then Holly. So Sheila, could you please speak against the resolution? Here's the problem. I'm, I, I like this resolution, but I want to make sure that we speak to the issues that Linda raised and speak to the issues that I raised. And the, way, the, the ones that Linda raised are, and maybe they can be in another resolution, I don't know. But the, she said that folks who are deafblind need further access than just the live audio. And it may be that they benefit from recorded audio. That may mean that they don't know every little thing that happens in the live environment, but at least they've got something. Um, I'd like to see it even get better than that, but I don't know how. The issue that I am concerned about is that I think, I'm guessing, that some of the theaters that are doing this automated stuff are doing it because an, a live audio describer uh, costs a lot of money unless you get a volunteer and hope that they're good. Um, and I want good audio. I want good audio description. I want good audio clarity. I want, I want something we can all use. So I'm not sure how, I'm, I'm not actually against this resolution, but I want to see these things addressed, and I wanted that on record. Thank you. All right, thank you, Sheila. And again, a resolution sometimes can't cover everything. These resolutions have been vetted for many months, and this is the resolution as it is. So Holly, would you like to speak for the resolution? Yes, sir. I thought that when I was younger, video description, audio description, whatever you're supposed to call it, yes. was a bunch of hooey. And then I went to a play that actually had live video description, and I haven't, I haven't been to one that didn't have it since. It just gives you so much more of a feeling, and you feel like you're playing on a level playing field with sighted people. And I think that this, wet, this uh, motion should be, or whatever you call it, should be good. And I think that you should vote for it. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. I see we have one more hand raised. Joel Snyder? Correct. Go ahead, Joel. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. I just wanted to respond to Sheila's concerns. The resolution states clearly that recorded description 
cannot effectively communicate the visual elements of a live performance, and it states that pre-recorded descriptions may not be accurately synchronized with a live performance. Um, so that equals subpar audio description, audio description that is not working, is not effective. Actually, instead of enhancing, it distracts. And with respect to the concern of cost, there are theaters that provide description at every performance for less money uh, by a live describer for less money than it costs to contract with Gala Pro or Sound Associates, the folks that provide recorded description. So the cost factor really is a matter of one's imagination and inventiveness in how to solve the problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, I'm now going to call the question on the resolution at hand, resolution 14. Nancy, do we have all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down in the Zoom room. Thank you very much. Clark, are we still up on Zoom? Good to go. We are live. Okay. At this point in time, all those in favor of the resolution requiring or requesting uh, live audio description voices at performing live performing art performances, please signify by raising your hand in the Zoom room. If you are for the resolution, raise your hand. We are settled, Dan. Okay, thank you, Nancy. All right, now for all those in the ballroom, if you are in support of the resolution 14 for live narration of audio description in performing arts, signify by saying aye. aye. All those opposed, signify by saying no. All right, let it be identified that all people in the ballroom signified by saying aye, there were no nays. All hands are now lowered in Zoom. All hands being lowered in Zoom, please raise your hand if you would like to vote against resolution 14 for live narration of audio description in live performing art venues. All right, Madam Supervisor, if you could give me the results. All right, our uh, total in Zoom is 144 for, that's a lot of fours, 144 in favor and seven against. In the ballroom, it was unanimous as a yes. Therefore, I make a motion that this resolution passes. In addition, we only had seven people in opposition. Therefore, there's no required to, requirement to ask for whether we need to have a record vote or not. So uh, once, and, and once and for all, Resolution 14 has passed. We'll now move on to Resolution 15, which is about the Amazon Accessibility Support Center. So, Gabe. Okay, well, we are ready to move on to Resolution number 15 on uh, the, the Amazon Accessibility uh, or Disability Support Line. And that's Resolution 15, right, Gabe? Yes, sir, 2015, or 2022, number 15. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. All right, let's hear from Guillermo. <laughs> too, many, too many numbers, and I'm not a numbers person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. Resolution 2022-15, Amazon Disability Customer Support Line, submitted by Margie Donovan and the California Council of the Blind. 
Whereas millions of shoppers, including those who are blind or have low vision, purchase products online from Amazon, and whereas, and whereas much to Amazon's credit, they have established a disability customer support line, 888-283-1648, for people with disabilities to get assistance with, among other things, browsing their products lines and obtaining detailed visual product descriptions. And whereas many Amazon disability customer support line representatives do not provide adequate product descriptions, resulting in unwanted items being purchased and the inconvenience of making returns, now therefore be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization commence a dialogue with Amazon to determine the best solutions to ensure that Amazon's disability customer support line staff will provide accurate product descriptions for people who are blind or have low vision. Thank you. Gabe, what is the recommendation from the Resolutions Committee? The Resolutions Committee recommends a do pass, and I so move. Thank you. At this point in time, do we have any um, motions for information, clarification, or points of order? Do we have any in the ballroom? Is anyone seeking a mic? Hello, Roger Peterson. Hello, Roger. Um, I don't know if it was a misread or a mistype, but telephone numbers have 10 digits. I didn't hear 10 digits in that phone number for Amazon. Okay, so point of clarification, Gabe, is the phone number for Amazon, excuse me, yeah, Amazon's uh, support, is it 10 digits? Do you have those? 888-283-166. Seven eight. So um, I can't recall how it was read in the recording, but it is a 10-digit eight 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 number here in the document. Thank you for that point of clarification, Roger. Do we have any other points of clarification in the ballroom? Hearing none, I will now ask our supervisor to make sure all hands are down in the Zoom room. All hands are now down. Okay, please raise your hand if you have a point of clarification information or point of order in the Zoom room. Linda Yaks. Linda Yaks, you have been recognized. So could we, do we come have back anyone? To her? Do, Linda, we are having trouble hearing you and you're muting and unmuting, so I'm sure you're frustrated at this point in time and we apologize. Is there anyone else who has a point of clarification in the Zoom room while we're trying to get Linda connected? Oh yes. Jean, oh yes. Jean Mann. Jean Mann. Just point of information, I'm wondering if, if Margie is available um, since you wrote the resolution, is this is this a fairly common occurrence? And you know, is is it happening to other people? I don't. I I, I will probably vote for it, but I don't. I don't want to vote for it if it's just you know something that happens once or twice. I mean, is this is this? I don't use Amazon, and I haven't called that that line. Is this just a is this a fairly fairly common occurrence? All right, and I'll ask Gabe to answer that as our chair because he was the one who uh, the, the, the resolution came before and there was lots of dialogue on it, so Gabe. Yes, this, uh, this resolution actually came to us in California and then came from California on to uh, ACB. And at both levels, uh, we, did, we asked that same question and it was determined that this does happen uh, I don't know if it, if I'd say it happens regularly, but it happens enough that we determine it's definitely a, a concern that we want to make sure it gets addressed. All right, thank you, Gabe. 
Any other points of information or clarification, Nancy? Yes. Terry and Frank, it says. Terry and Frank? <laughs> yes. It's Terry Pacheco. Hi, and Terry. Frank. Hi. Um, point, just for an absolute point of clarification, on that 10 digit number that Roger was concerned about, in the recording, I believe it said 1648, and Gabe has it as 1678. All right. And I, the, my only other quick comment is that I think we need to be very careful when we start criticizing assistive groups like the like what Amazon's done, because we need to remember that we should be getting no more information than anyone else, that, whether they're sighted or blind. And so, if you know, if if. Terry, this is not a point of clarification. You're now you're right, debating. Not. Terry, you're, you're right, now debating the resolution, so we'll, I, we'll ask you I to do that you. at a later point. This is just a point of clarification or information. I did hear your point of that related to uh, the phone number. So, um, Mr. Chair, this is, this is Gabe. Yes. I, I will clarify. If I, it, it does end in one six seven eight. If I said one six four eight, I apologize. It was just my finger missing a dot. All right. It is one six seven eight on the end to answer Terry's clarification. Okay. Thank you. Grant sign. You're welcome. Uh, Grant sign. Fran. Yes, it's Fran sign. Um, Fran. I just Fran. have a point of order. I would like to know how many people are actually on Zoom. And how many people are in the room? We have no idea what the majority of the room is. We don't know how many people are there. Thank you. Fran, it, it, it varies. People are coming in and out of both Zoom and the room. I would say we have a, a pretty good attendance in both environments. Our vote in the Zoom room was just 144 to seven. So that's at least 151 people that are in Zoom that voted and we have a pretty good crowd still in the hall. So we don't have an exact number, nor will we ever have. Well, you should. What's, what's, what's pretty good? All right. How do we know if there's 15 or 200? No, we have many more than that. So thank you. All right. Any other points of information or clarification in the Zoom room? Sharon Strzalski. Sharon. Yes, thank you. Uh, my question is um, what um, the resolution would aim to do to fix this? Would it be providing a training video about how to audio describe? Uh, I'm not opposed to the resolution. I just don't understand what people are thinking about how they would fix the issue. Thank you. Okay, Sharon. So Gabe, would you like to answer that question with clarifying the resolve clauses? Yeah, we, we didn't really want to give a, a specific way. We feel like you know, probably the uh, you know, probably go to say the uh, advocacy steering committee, as many of these are, are headed through and, and uh, figure out the best channel. Um, it could be through the environmental access, but um, we want to leave it somewhat open-ended as to the best way of reaching out to Amazon and, and working with them. Melissa Wabshaw. Melissa, go ahead, Melissa. Hello, um, I was just wondering, um, there, there are product descriptions on Amazon. So when people wish for things to be described, I mean, I'm not understanding, do they want more details than what the product description gives? 
All right, we'll ask Gabe to ask that. What do we mean by additional descriptions? Gabe? We're talking about, we're talking about uh, clarifications, like colors or a size of something. You know, the stuff that somebody would be able to see in a picture that doesn't necessarily come across when you're using a screen reader to access that device. And it may not, you know, it's, it's something that you might see in the picture that isn't in the written description. Jennifer Bowling. All right, Jennifer, you're now recognized for a point of information or clarification. Two questions of clarification. The phone number that was given, was that the Amazon uh, disability phone number and the extra information that is being asked to um, be included, would that be included in all text or would that be in text itself? I believe she was asking if that's the... Go, go ahead, Gabe, you please ask, answer yes. Were you asking if it's the, the phone number or what did you say? The, last I, part of your question? the, the phone number that you gave, was that the Amazon with disability line phone number or just the Amazon? That That is the disability support line for Amazon. Thank you. Okay, next person ends with 505. That's Margie. Thank you, Nancy. Um, <clears throat> I didn't hear the resolution, but I heard it in committee. I was on the phone trying to get bus tickets. Um, the bottom line is, I, I don't know if we actually use, and Gabe, I'm going to ask you to clarify this, audio description. Uh, the expectation is not audio description. The expectation is audio interpretation uh, to tell us what the color is accurately of things. So I know we're at points of clarification. I will be here, but I'm going to be switching numbers because I have to go to a, an appointment. But um, Gabe, did, does it say audio description? The word audio does not appear in the resolution at all. Thank you. Thank you. So just description. So for point of clarification, what this resolution aims to do is have the agents, when we call, um, describe what they're seeing accurately. Um, that hasn't happened a lot of the times. And to ask, answer, and if this is not in line, Dan, please say, someone else's question about is this frequent, the answer is yes. I actually put something out on ACB. Um, list and uh, Facebook and got several answers from other people that they have experienced that as well. Thank you. Thank you, Margie. Do we have any other points of information or clarification? Inicio Correa. Maria. Thank you. Correa. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, a quick question for, for Gabe. I, I'm wondering if if uh, we are we if there was any discussion at all as to the fact that hopefully some of these employees in the answering the disability line are visually impaired themselves and therefore would be uh, unreasonable to expect them to do what we ourselves cannot do. And I hope in fact that they are visually impaired. That I don't believe was part of the discussion and I think that would be a different issue. Yes, I think, I think this is more discussion than clarification. All right. Do we have any more? I have six more people. I'm, I'm going to make a decision. I think we have heard a lot of questions about information and clarification. 
I, I believe we have a good understanding of what this resolution stands for. So, Nancy, I'm going to ask you to lower all hands in Zoom. And at this point in time, I'm going to ask for people first in the ballroom and then on Zoom who would like to speak for or against this resolution. Mr. President, Michael Byington. Michael Byington, yes. Yes, I'm wanting to speak in favor. All right, Michael Byington would like to speak in favor. My Do I have anybody from the ballroom who would like, don't speak yet, Michael. Do I have anybody in the ballroom who would like to speak against this resolution? Hearing I, no, 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 hearing, hearing no one. Do we have anybody on Zoom who would like to speak for this resolution? I'll take one and then I'll go for against. Okay, Jewel G raised her hand. Who? Jewel G. Jewel, Jewel G, would you like to speak for this resolution? Yes, I would like to speak for this resolution. Thank okay. you. Okay, thank you. All right, Nancy, please lower all hands in Zoom. Do I have anybody in Zoom who wishes to speak against this resolution? Regina Marie has her hand raised. Regina Marie, would you like to speak against this resolution? Yes, I would. Thank you. All right. Is there anyone else in Zoom who would like to speak against this resolution? Claire Stanley. Claire Stanley, could you unmute and recognize that you would like to speak against this resolution? Yes, I would like to speak against it. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll stop at that point in time because we've got to stay within our 20 minutes. Michael, would you like to start by Spiels speaking for the resolution? Michael Byington in the Thank hall. Thank you. I will not require much time. I support this resolution because it is well worded. The point that I wish to make in uh, response to some of the concerns that have been expressed here is that description or audio description or video description or any type of descriptive information in that category is something that many people require training in order to do properly. If that was not the case, we would not have the audio description project, which puts a great emphasis on training so we have quality audio description. This resolution is quite clearly simply saying that Amazon needs to specifically address this type of issue with people who are on the phone providing customer support to people who are blind. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Now, uh, on the against position, we have uh, uh, Regina Marie Brink. So, Regina. Regina Marie. Yeah. Yes, thank you. You are right, Dan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am against this resolution because for those of you that have dealt with cause and effect and correlation, you have to establish that. And I don't believe that has been established. I think it would be better to establish that first before we go to Amazon. And what I'm trying to say is, I know sighted people that pick out, let's say a brown suitcase and it comes back and it's black or, and, and they are sighted people. And some sighted people may tell you that, that sometimes when you order something and you're looking at the picture, when it arrives, it is not that. And I think sometimes either the seller substitute 
or the order gets wrong somewhere. I guess what I'm saying is we don't know for sure that the problem is the customer service people unless we were to actually undertake some kind of study to determine that. And I think that's only fair to do when someone's providing a service for us out of courtesy. Thank you. Thank you. We will now recognize Jewel G to speak for the resolution. Um, so I have a, quite a bit of experience with Amazon and their accessibility um, call center because I order a lot from Amazon. And I can say for sure that some of it is specifically problems with with them describing properly. For example, a necklace that has variants and they can't tell me the butterfly is above the shell or the shell is next to the butterfly. They can't tell simple things like that. Um, they get very frustrated when I ask specific detailed questions. Um, and I've gotten to the point where I've just given up on them and I require, I request help from a friend instead. So I think this really needs to be addressed. Thank you. Thank you, Jewel. Now to speak against the resolution, we'll hear from Claire Stanley. Claire. Thank you. Um, I, at the core of this, um, completely agree with it and I understand why we all want it. We've all been in that situation. I'm just a little concerned that um, the idea is half-baked and we need to think a little bit longer about how we can train these Amazon employees and how we can really be effective. Um, like was just pointed out by the last speaker, it can be really difficult to describe things. And so I think we need to have a really well thought out plan in place, perhaps and even a standard, which is a huge um, take on to, to come up with a standard on how to describe things. But I just feel like we're gonna bite off a little bit too much when we tell people you need to describe it because we've all been in situations where one-sided people describe things to us, they don't always do the greatest job. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Next person is Lori. I well, don't have a last name for Lori. Lori and... Hi, I'm Lori Kastner. Yes, Lori. And uh, I'd like to speak against... Are you speaking for or against? I'm speaking against the resolution. Okay, um, please go I ahead. Believe, okay, thank you. I, um, I believe that Amazon Disability Line describes things as well as they are, as well as they are presented in pictures. Uh, it may be that some of the pictures are not detailed enough. I know one speaker commented that she would then ask a friend, but uh, we're not sure if all pictures are clear. And uh, in addition, there are descriptions on the Amazon site itself that are often very detailed, so that asking for help with a disability line may be duplicating information a person can get on the uh, on the computer or phone app themselves. Um, and whenever I have spoken with the Amazon disability line, which is um, frequent, um, I have been very pleased with the service and the descriptions that I've received. Thank you. Thank you. I'll now ask all hands to be lowered. Next person was Linda Yaks. I would like to speak for this resolution very quickly. I have definitely had problems with Amazon and their descriptions and for some of us, it's very difficult for us to be able to get transportation, to take things to a center, to have them returned or to get labels and stuff. So I would definitely speak for this resolution. I think that it can be worked out and I think Amazon really wants to do a good job for us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Linda. Our time has expired for discussion and debate. 
At this point in time, hearing no motion to continue debate, I am going to call for the question. Hearing that all hands are lowered, at this point in time, if you are in favor of the resolution related to Amazon accessibility and descriptions, please raise your hand in Zoom, all those in favor of Resolution 15. We have settled. All right, thank you. Now we'll turn our attention to the ballroom. For Resolution 15 on the Amazon Accessibility Center, if you are in favor of the resolution, please signify by saying aye. aye. If you're opposed to the resolution, please signify by saying no. no. I hear that the ayes have it by just a little in the room right now. So we will turn it over and hear uh, if all hands are lowered in the Zoom room. All hands are lowered in Zoom. All hands are lowered in the Zoom room. If you're in the Zoom room and you would like to vote against Resolution 15 related to uh, Amazon uh, Access Support Center, please raise your hand if you would like to vote against Resolution 15. All right, the results from the Zoom room were 92-4, 72 against. I also felt like there was a slight yes in the ballroom. So at this point in time, the chair moves that the resolution did pass. At this time, because we have people in opposition, I want to make sure that all hands are lowered in the Zoom room, and we will do a standing uh, count to see if 25 people would like to request a record vote. Okay. So moment. Nancy, please let me know when all hands are lowered. All hands are lowered. All right, if you voted in opposition to the resolution and you would like a record vote for clarification, please raise your hand in the Zoom room. All right. How many, if you are in the ballroom and you wish to have a uh, record vote, please stand. All right, we have 39 in Zoom and nine in the ballroom. That's a total of 48, which ex exceeds our threshold of 25. Therefore, this resolution uh, will be presented on the 13th of July for a record vote with both vote now and our affiliate roll call. Thank you. All right, we'll now move on to resolution 16. Mr. President? Yes, Paul. Uh, I'd like to raise a point of order, and it may be a point of ignorance on my part, Yes. but the question is what happened to resolution 2205? 2205 is the one resolution that was not recommended a do pass or do not pass by the resolutions committee. And Gabe Griffith, uh, the resolutions chair, and I conferred and felt like that required a motion and a second and would be handled as our last resolution of the list today <laughs> because it was handled under a different process and procedure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, we're now ready for resolution 16. Gabe? Okay, resolution number 2022 16 is the uh, sustaining the benefits of successful accessibility litigation. Resolution 2022 16, 
Sustaining the Benefits of Successful Accessibility Litigation, submitted by Stephen Mendelson. Whereas ACB, its affiliates, and its members have achieved many advocacy successes through accessibility litigation and structured negotiation, and whereas the majority of these successes have been achieved by settlement agreements between the parties which avoid the costliness and delay of trials and appeals, and whereas such settlements are entered into for fixed periods of time, frequently three years, and whereas once a settlement agreement expires, no legally enforceable mechanism exists for remedying subsequent conduct that would have violated the settlement agreement. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that this organization seeks systemic change in order to achieve more permanent settlement in disability rights cases, and be it further resolved that as a first step toward this goal, ACB, through its Advocacy Steering Committee, seek to collaborate with other entities dedicated to civil rights to identify, evaluate, and implement legal strategies and other means and mechanisms for promoting long-term positive structural change through civil rights settlements and consent decrees. All right, thank you. Gabe, what does the Resolution Committee recommend? The Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. Thank you. Uh, Madam Supervisor, are all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down. All right, at this point in time, I will recognize those in the ballroom who wish to bring a point of information, clarification, or a point of order. See, no, no one seeking a mic in the ballroom? I do not. Okay, thank you. And now on Zoom, okay, Linda Yax, go ahead. I have a point of order. Did we not consent these, agree earlier that we would have to second these motions from the, from the uh, resolutions committee? Because I guess I may have misunderstood that, but I thought we agreed that we had to have a second. No. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Linda. No, for that point of uh, clarification. No, uh, uh, res re <clears throat> motions made from the resolutions committee, they made, they're made from committee. Once Gabe has moved them, they do not require a second. David Kingsbury. Uh, yes, point of information. What are civil rights settlements and consent decrees? Because that's what's recommended in the last sentence and nowhere are these defined, but they are. Thank you, that'll go to Gabe. Uh, I believe they are legal terms that we put in there uh, for, for understanding of legal settlements. If, if one of the lawyers from the resolutions committee has a, a better de description, then I would ask one of them to find a mic and uh, and help me with that one. I know we have Mark, Jeff, Chris. Is there anyone who can help us clarify that any better for Gabe? I know Jeff has been near a mic during the day. Maybe he's around, but. All right, Gabe, if you could reach out to some of your committee for better for clar clarification for David on that. Libby Ostergaard. Libby, you have the floor. Okay, we're not hearing Libby. Who's our next person? Jean Mann. Jean Mann, you're recognized to speak for a point of order, information, or clarification. Okay, I, I'm not sure I totally understand this resolution. Um, I thought that, that there were times when we did um, join with other disability and civil rights groups to accomplish what we wanted. So I'm not 
not really sure what this resolution is doing that we're not already doing. So Gabe, would you like to address that? It kind of implies in the resolution that we don't work with others. We're all finding that a little hard to believe, but that's what says in the resolution. So Gabe, would you please clarify? I'm sorry, I, Mr. President, I was trying to get uh, uh, clarification on that last question. What was, what was um, the question here? The, the question is, was from Jean that it seems to uh, imply in the resolution, one point of clarification that it kind of implies that ACB is not working with other civil rights organizations when it comes to um, uh, we, we just wanted to put we just wanted to put that in there to make sure that that doesn't fall through the cracks in the future going forward. Does that so I, does that answer the question? Well, I don't I don't really see why the why the resolution is necessary if that's what it's doing because don't we already do it? It it's just wanted to make sure that there's follow up. I I don't know if it if we do that in all cases. I think it wants just just to basically make sure that that happens going forward. Okay. okay, but Gene, I think you've got your clarification and we'll have an opportunity when we do debate for for and against. So thank you, Gene. Next. All right, well. And, and, and Mr. President, I, I do have on the previous question about the why the legal settlements and consent decrees is in there. Yes. Um, it, it's just covering all settlements and, and there are consent decrees that I, I believe are items that come from, you know, from the, uh, from judges in, in legal settlements that uh, we just want to make sure under all those circumstances that this gets covered and that uh, that we uh, consider those all the the same in our advocacy efforts okay thank you do we have any more uh, points of clarification or information or points of order I think I'll take one more and then I think we need to get into the debate 814 Yes, uh, this is Stephen Mendelson. I simply wanted to make myself available to answer this question if it was desired that I do so. Uh, on the question of the uh, consent decrees and the rights, again, as Dave Griffith said, it's simply a matter of covering the various formats in which the uh, uh, time-limited settlements and uh, outcomes are entered into. And with respect to the collaboration with other groups, I think that collaboration is implicit in fact the resolve clause uh, speaks to me for collaboration with others in finding a solution to the problem. Thank you. I, at least in the hall from this stage, I was having a really hard time understanding that. Gabe, could you please kind of paraphrase what Steve just shared with us? To be honest, I was having a little trouble hearing you as well, Steve. I, I think I'm he sorry. was just basically saying that he was concurring with what I had said about that being language to make sure that we capture all the different advocacy settlements and, and uh, things that happen. Is that right, Steve? Exactly so, yes. Okay. Exactly so, yes. That is what Steve said. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right. We're now going to ask for people who would like to speak for and against this resolution, Resolution 16. Do I have anyone from the ballroom floor who would like to speak in favor or against this resolution? I see no hands raised or nobody's at a um, podium or, or at a microphone. All right, I'll now uh, ask all hands to be lowered in Zoom. And do I have anybody who wishes to speak for or against this resolution in Zoom? Mm -hmm. 
Kim Charlson is number one. Kim, would you like to speak for or against this resolution? Okay. Do you want me to go on and then come back to her? Yeah, go on and we'll try to come back to Kim. Diane Scalzi. Diane Scalzi, do you wish to speak for or against the resolution? I am so in favor of this resolution. Yes. All right, so Diane would like to speak in favor of the resolution. And this is now Kim Charlson. I wish to speak in opposition to the resolution. Okay, we have Diane for and, and Kim against. Do we have any p other people on Zoom that would like to speak for or against the resolution? Veronica. Veronica. I would like to speak in favor. Veronica would like to speak in favor. Let's take one more, and then we'll see where we roll out between fours and against. Stephen Phyllis. Stephen. Becky is Steve Blow. Well, my wife is here too. Okay. Steve. I'd like to speak for the resolution. Okay, we have three fours and one against. So I'll ask everybody uh, if the supervisor could now lower all hands. All hands are lowered. Now that all hands are lowered, I'll ask if there are other people who would like to speak against the resolution, please raise their hand. 394. 394, please identify yourself. A phone number ending in 394 and unmute. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Debbie, and I'm Debbie Watson, and I'm from Chicago. Debbie. I find this resolution uh, oh. very confusing for me. I, legal terms usually do, but I, I really have to agree with the person hold who on, spoke hold on, earlier. Hold on, Debbie, Debbie, wait. We're just getting right now. Are you, are you speaking against the resolution? Oh, I'm speaking against it. My apology. You are speaking against. Okay, please wait till your turn, but stay unmuted. You're speaking against. Okay, That's I'm sorry. No, no problem, My apology, Debbie. Mr. President. No problem, Debbie. We need one more person who's speaking against. Nancy, who's our next person? No. Jeanette Kutash. Jeanette Kutash, are you, are you speaking against? Yes, Jeanette, do you wish to speak against? Yes. Okay, so that's three against and three four. Now that's for the first person to speak for the resolution and that's, that's Diane Scalzi. So Diane, you have up to two minutes to speak in favor of the resolution. I, I actually have a personal experience dealing with a bank chain called Citizens Bank and their uh, credit card site. And when I first felt that this was inaccessible, I contacted Laney Feingold, who works out a lot of um, structured settlements with people. And she said that she had a structured settlement with that bank and they apparently weren't keeping it. So, you know, it, th this tells me that there is an, uh, an obvious need for follow-up um, to make sure that, the, that, that they are continuing to, to um, honor the settlements that they make. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. And now speaking against the resolution is Kim Charlson. Thank you, Mr. President. I, I'm, don't <laughs> fundamentally i don't object to the concepts within the resolution what i do object to is the inference that acb does not follow up 
with respect to our settlement agreements. We have many settlement agreements in various stages of completion, up to one year to three years, but what we gain in the process with our settlement agreements is an ongoing relationship with all of these entities that ACB is able to leverage whenever we learn about an issue that may arise. And when an issue arises, that does not mean that they're not complying with the settlement agreement. It just means that there may be an issue that's come up. We've been made aware of it. Because of all of our work, we can go back to the corporations that we've been involved with and we can tell them what is happening. And they are very collaborative about wanting to correct the situation. I've been involved in over a dozen of ACB's legal settlements. And to this day, I could reach out to any of those companies and have a situation hopefully resolved very quickly in a very positive way. The final thing I would say is that I think the, resol the resolve clause inferring that we do not collaborate it is almost a slap in the face to what ACB is all about. We collaborate extensively with other organizations and with our corporate partners. And I find that this resolution is not necessary and we should not support it. So I would urge you to vote no. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Kim. Now we'll hear from Veronica to speak for the resolution. Hi, thank you. I am wholeheartedly in favor of this resolution because I've had several occasions where First off, I didn't even know that there was a consent decree or a settlement agreement in force, but when the time ran out, the agency or corporation simply stopped doing what they were supposed to be doing. And especially if we don't know that there used to be an agreement in force, we start all over and put in all kinds of time and then eventually find out, oops, there was one. So anything that we can do to extend that time I would really appreciate it. And I did not get the impression that this was a slap in the face or that this resolution implied that we didn't collaborate with other organizations. So I urge a yay vote for this resolution. Thank you. Thank you, Veronica. And then we have, I think, Debbie to speak against. Debbie? Yes, uh, I agree. I think this is an, I'm, I, my apology. My, I'm Debbie Watson and I am from Chicago, Illinois. Um, and I really feel that this is unnecessary. I really do. Um, I think we need to let our members know of, of all of the settlement agreements, but I really think we do collaborate with people if necessary, and we do try to work with the corporations usually and make sure, you know, that these agreements are being taken care of. I guess I feel that this resolution is, is unnecessary. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. And now we'll hear from Steve to speak in favor of the resolution. Steve, I'm going to ask you to limit your comments, if you can, to one minute, because we have two minutes relate, remaining in the debate period, and we want to hear the, from the final debater. So please, Steve, go ahead. Sure. Thank you. Um, I speak in favor, uh, but first of all, I want to mention a settlement agreement is an agreement between parties. A consent decree uh, generally has a um, 
a judge who um, who uh, oversees it or approves the the settlement decree settlement agreement and and essentially makes it a court order. So, um, but all of them can have either of them can have time limits, and it's all well and good to say that uh, corporations will continue to abide by a settlement agreement or a consent decree they probably would with a consent decree but if it, if there's a time limit then uh, corporations could fall off the wagon and just say we're not going to do this it was too onerous we'll change we'll change our views a little bit and do a little bit different than we had agreed to and so on and I think we need a continued monitoring and I also think that uh, the reference to collaborating with others, basically, if somebody else has a has a settlement agreement that's similar uh, and have, maybe has a different time period, Steve, then we're going to have to call we, time. We ought so. to we ought to continue with that. Thank you, Steve. And now for our final debate uh, person, we have um, Jeanette Jeanette Kutesh. Jeanette, you have one minute. Okay, so. My concern about this resolution is simple. Um, recently, I was in a situation where I was told to go to advocacy because people were screaming that a, a, a particular situation was not accessible. And I knew that it was. I think the danger is that people will be pushing for advocacy to renegotiate when there is no need. And I don't think this resolution prepares for that and deals with the fact that often companies are really trying their best to continue to maintain accessibility. Thank you. Thank you, Jeanette. All right, at this time, our debate time limit has expired. So I'm going to go ahead and call for the question. So Nancy, are all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down in Zoom. All right, all hands are down in the Zoom room. All those in favor of Resolution 16, please raise your hand in the Zoom room now. It is settled. All right, we've now settled in the Zoom room, so we'll now turn our focus towards the ballroom. For all those in the ballroom who are in favor of Resolution 16 related to structured settlements, and consent agreements. Please signify by saying yes. Yes. All those opposed signify by saying no. No. I believe the no's have it by a pretty significant margin in the ballroom. So we'll go back to the Zoom room. Are all hands lowered? All hands are lowered in the Zoom room. Hearing that all hands are lowered in the Zoom room, all those who are against Resolution 16, please raise your hand. If you're against Resolution 16, please raise your hand in the Zoom room. All right, the results in the Zoom room are 63 for and 88 against. We also heard in the voice vote in the ballroom that the majority voted against the resolution. So the chair, um, the chair declares that the resolution has failed. Announcing that the resolution has failed, 
Next, by our Constitution and bylaws, if 25 people rise and stand requesting a record vote, then a record vote will take place. Right now, Nancy, I would ask that all hands be lowered in the Zoom room. Have we settled that all hands are lowered? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. With all hands being lowered, if you voted in favor of the resolution and were on the minority side, please raise your hand if you would like a record vote. It is settled. Thank you. Now, for all those in the ballroom, if you would like to require a record vote, please stand. Please stand in the ballroom if you believe we need a record vote. All right, we have 26 in the Zoom room and one in person. That's a total of 27. So resolution 16, which was voted on as a fail by the body, will now go to a record vote. Again, that will be on the 13th of July. Thank you. All right, we'll now move on to resolution 17. Gabe, resolution 17, please. All right. Thank you, Mr. President. Resolution 2022-17 is uh, regarding nursing facility studies. Resolution 2022-17, nursing facility study, submitted by Stephen Mendelson. Whereas vision loss correlates closely with advancing age, and whereas anecdotal evidence provided by many ACB members underscores the role of vision decline in causing or hastening many unnecessary nursing facility and other institutional residential placement, and whereas Medicaid pays for the cost of a substantial portion of nursing facility placement, and whereas ACB has strong reason for believing that provision of a range of services and technology to seniors with vision loss would delay and avoid institutionalization and result in dramatic savings in public expenditure, and whereas documentation of the extent of the problem is essential to the creation of a framework for legislative or regulatory action, now, therefore, be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind and Convention Assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that ACB requests the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition to conduct a study aimed at developing empirical data that will document both the problem and its potential solutions clearly. And, be it further resolved that with this date, ACB and other interested organizations, including the AVLNC, undertake appropriate educational and advocacy efforts designed to ensure placement in institutionalized settings can be avoided by, to the maximum extent possible, for individuals who are blind or have low vision. All right, uh, Gabe, how does the Resolution Committee recommend? The Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. All right, thank you, Gabe. All right, we will then ask now, are all hands lowered in Zoom? All hands are lowered in Zoom right now. All hands are lowered in Zoom. We will now start our period of discussion and debate. Are there any points of information, clarification, or points of order? First, going to the ballroom. In the ballroom, are there any points of information, of points of clarification, or points of order? Mike. All right, here, no one's seeking the mic in the ballroom. Now we'll go to the Zoom room. Yes. First, are all hands lowered in the Zoom room? All righty. 
We'll now call on the first person, please, excuse me, please raise your hand in the Zoom room if you have a point of order, a point of information, or a point of clarification, or a motion for point. All right, I've said it. Go ahead. Okay, so right now I have five. Jewel is the first person. All right, we'll recognize Jewel. Yes, hi, Mr. President. Hi, everybody. Um, my question is, does this apply only to elderly people, or would this also include other people with disabilities who might be placed in a nursing home um, inappropriately? Thank you. Gabe, does the resolution just per, uh, pertain to the adult community, uh, the, I'll say, senior aging community, or how, how is the resolution phrased? Right. My, my interpretation would be that it would be any, uh, anyone in our community, anybody who's blind or low vision in a nursing facility, not necessarily just a senior. It doesn't, doesn't apply to age. Okay, thank you. Regina Marie. Regina Marie Brink, you're recognized. I just wanted to remind people in the Zoom room to, of our, we, we do a lot of community calls and we have etiquette that we observe and, and we need to do that. I think it's been better in the afternoon, but I also wanted to remind people that if you're going to say something, that you make sure whether you want to be muted or unmuted, because I think Dan talked about kindness, and I, I would just like to see that happening in this new room as well. I know it's hard, and I want to thank everybody for Thank putting you, up Regina. with us in the Zoom room. <laughs> all right, thank you. So let's all try to follow our, our procedures and guidelines in the Zoom room, a webinar Zoom room. Thank you. All right, next person. Robert Acosta. Robert Acosta, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I this should be an easy one, I hope. What is ABLMC? Thank you. At the end of the resolution. Or oh, what, what's the, the acronym the at the end of the resolution? Yes, yes okay, sir. Gabe. Thank you. I honestly do not recall. Um, okay. We're asking to Clark. Clark can clarify them. that. I'm going to ask Clark. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, if, if you can hear me, that this is Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. It is the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. Good question, Bob. What is our next point of information or clarification? It says Terry and Frank, so I think it's probably Terry Pacheco. Okay, Terry, Terry Pacheco. Yes, thank you. My question on information is, is this only as far as Medicaid is concerned? I'm wondering, as far as someone who might be, not be on Medicaid, but might be on Medicare or private insurance. Thank you. All right, Gabe, for information, what's the scope of the resolution? Who, who does it pertain to? As I recall, it was just Medicaid at this point. Medicaid? Medicaid. Okay, it's just, it's, it's approaching Medicaid and not Medicare. So just Medicaid. I'm, right. trying to, I'm trying to find it and be sure on that. Hold on for me. What's the next point of information or clarification? Linda Faust, you're recognized. I am also concerned with Medicaid because when I get older, I feel like I would be forced to go into a facility I wouldn't want to go into. 
Okay, so you're, you're wanting a clarification on the Medicaid versus Medicare as well. Okay, thank you, Linda. We'll find exactly. that out. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. All right, next point of Judy. Judy, go ahead, Judy. I'm putting Steve on here. Uh, in answer to the question, if I may, it's not just Medicaid at all. It's uh, any situation where uh, an unwanted or, or premature institutional placement would occur that might be averted by the kinds of measures and by the kind of information leading to policy change that we're seeking here. So it's not, it certainly includes Medicaid, but it's not only Medicaid by any means. Steve is saying, and Steve, you were the writer of the motion? Yes, I was. Okay, thank you. And so Gabe, uh, Steve is clarifying that it's for all, not specific to Medicaid yeah, or Medicare, but all blind and low vision individuals. Yeah, and I, and I was just gonna say that I just looked at the resolution, or the resolved clauses again and did not see any specifying organization there. And to, um, if I could back up real quick to, to Bob's question earlier about AVLNC, that is spelled out in the first resolved clause, um, that it, it actually says what AVLNC is, and then we use the acronym in the second, or the, just the letters in the second resolved. Okay, thank you, Gabe, for that clarification. Nancy, who's the next point of information or clarification in Zoom? did talk, so it's Lori Sharp. Lori Sharp, go ahead, Lori. Okay, I, Steve um, concurred I, with what I was going to say, but I also think we may want to make an amendment to include custodial, the word custodial care at some point um, where it refers to nursing home um, because that specifically would apply in Medicaid situations. Well, it sounds like we don't have to make it that specific because we've covered it all, Lori if I understood the, the intent of the resolution. Sharon Strzalski. Sharon, go ahead. Hi, I guess I'm, um, I'm not sure I understand how the data could be gathered to prove that somebody um, was placed in a nursing home who could have been uh, trained to be able to, to be independent. How do we get at that information? I think it's a great idea, but I just can't conceive of how it would happen. Thank you. All right, so for clarification of the resolution, we're asking to gather the data. Do we have any thoughts of how that would take place? I, I don't think we got that far. I think that would be part of the, you know, figuring out how to implement the resolution if it passes. Okay, but it's not specified in the resolution. Okay, thank you, Gabe. Correct, it just, it just asked to, un to undertake a study or to conduct, to, to uh, get the data. All right, at this point in time, I'm going to move away from uh, information and clarification motions, and I'm gonna ask for us to have debate. Who in the ballroom would like to speak in for or against this resolution? Okay. I'd like to speak for it, Mr. Chair. I think I heard Paul Edwards who would like to speak for the resolution. Now I'll go to Zoom. If you would like to speak for or against the resolution, please raise your hand in Zoom. Jewel. I do wish to speak for the resolution. Okay, so noted, Jewel, stay, stay on the line. All right, who, uh, do we have another person in, in Zoom who would like to speak against the resolution? Okay, the next person that had their hand up was Doreen Cornwell. Doreen Cornwell, would you like to speak for or against the resolution? For the resolution. Okay, that's now three fours. I'm going to... <laughs> 
three, fours. That's 12. No, just kidding. All right. So at this point in time, I'm going to ask uh, Nancy to lower all hands in Zoom. No. Now, if anybody would like to speak against the resolution, please raise their hand. Phone number ending in 317. All right. Phone number 317. Two things speaking against. Thank you. Who is this? Pat Tusing speaking right, and again. And you wish to speak against the resolution, Pat? Yes, sir. Okay, so Pat Tussing is speaking against the resolution. Thank you, Pat. Please wait. I have no additional hands up. No additional hands up. Okay. At this point in time, we will take Paul Edwards from the ballroom to speak for the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Essentially, what this resolution seeks to do is to enable us to begin to gather data. One of the difficulties that we have in terms of trying to speak in a strong and appropriate way about the institutionalization of people because of blindness is the absence of data. So what we're hoping to do with this resolution is to create a situation where we work in conjunction with the National Alliance on Aging, or, or it's, 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 a, it's got a longer name, but essentially it's a group of agencies working with blind folks who have already begun to do some studies and who have a number of people who are well versed in aging concerns who will help us gather data from a variety of states that will then enable us to say to folks who are at the government level or who are at the local level, we can save you a tremendous amount of money if you will enable us to provide the training that these folks need in order to be competent and independent at home, and we can therefore prevent them from being institutionalized and spending unnecessary public dollars and inhibiting the independence of older people who are blind. Thank you, Paul. Now we will hear from Pat Tussing, who wishes to speak against the resolution. Pat? Thank you. I don't know how you uh, can compete against Paul Edwards. Brilliant. <laughs> I bring up a comment that be careful what you wish for. I've done a lot of home care for members of my family. I live in a high rise and have seen this happen. How do you document the lack of services? In other words, in some states, like the city I'm in, there are gatekeepers who will not recognize the difference between older people who are disabled and not. Caregivers are left with maybe three hours of assistance per week. You have caregivers who may have had surgery or whatever, oh, we'll call you back in a month. There are parts of the country where the services that we want to provide in a perfect world that people deserve to have in a perfect world will never exist. I have no problems with the study. My concern is the implementation. And when you have to hire a lawyer to deal with these gatekeepers, they tend to consider any Medicare placement as a potential Medicaid placement when the Medicare accepting facility bounces the person or the families out of, out of money. So I'm just saying that this study is going to have to also document the lack of services. Because I've seen it in so many instances where the families are doing their best, the older person would be much better off in a a, a well-run facility. I freely admit that there are people who are blind and visually impaired who get put into long-term facilities when they should not. But I see 
then unless we have a perfect study that this could lead to gatekeepers incentivized by quotas saving the government money. I have seen this firsthand, and I'm just saying be careful what you wish for, and I hope five years down the line when we are discussing this again that we are getting the positive and the negative data. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. We'll now hear from Jewel G. speaking for the resolution. Yes, hi. I have personal experience with being placed in a, um, a nursing facility when there was no other option according to them. Um, I was homeless and they said, this is the only placement, nobody will take you. It was inappropriate and yet I was still placed there. I think that studying this issue would be wonderful it is happening and I do agree that lack of um, service should also be considered but um, this should also be considered people getting services that they don't want thank you and then we have Doreen Cornwell yes I strongly support studying this issue exactly because you want to direct public resources in the right direction for some people having the right home training will be critical. Um, a case came to the Washington Council of the Blind recently of a gentleman who's pretty well connected except he needs mobility training so that he can get out the door to his paratransit vehicle. So studies that help us identify what resources are needed as both outside of facilities and in situations where placement is in a facility really is the best solution that what kind of training and support the staff need. Um, the same gentleman who couldn't get out his door to his paratransit was told to his face that a facility he'd gone through a bunch of qualifying steps for wouldn't take him, quote, because he's blind. Um, and we've suggested that the social worker could file a civil rights complaint about that, but sometimes when one has to deal with these organizations, advocacy and like filing a civil rights complaint can be educational, but sometimes you have to advocate. So I absolutely wholeheartedly support the initiative to do more, more study about this issue. Thank you, Doreen. Yeah. All right, at this point in time, that ends our debate time, and we're going to move forward with the call of the questions. So I'll ask our supervisor of elections, Nancy, are all hands down in the Zoom room? All hands are down in Zoom. All right. Hearing that all hands are down in the Zoom room, all those in favor of the resolution, please raise your hand in the Zoom room. This was Resolution 17 related to nursing home facilities. All right, the vote is now settled for the affirmative on the four for the Resolution 17. We'll now move our focus to the ballroom. For resolu Resolution 17 related to nursing facilities, all those in favor of the resolution signify by saying aye. aye. All those opposed signify by saying no. Very much the ayes have it in the, in the ballroom. And now we'll go back to the Zoom room. Nancy, have all hands been lowered in the Zoom room? All hands are lowered. Hearing that all hands are lowered, all those who would like to vote against Resolution 17 relating to nursing homes, nursing facilities, please signify by raising your hand. Again, voting against. 
All right, in the Zoom room, the count was 132 for, nine against. The voice vote in the ballroom was significantly yeas versus nays. I move that, I don't move, I <clears throat> declare, thank you for that right word, I declare that the motion has passed. Hearing only nine uh, in the Zoom room and a small smattering in the ballroom, there is no need for a standing vote for a record vote because we not, did not have 25 people that were in opposition. All right, we're going to try to get one more resolution done before we go through our first reading of the Constitution and Bylaw Amendments. That is number 18. 18. All right, now we'll hear Resolution 18 from Gabe Griffith, our con resolution chair. All right, let's see, and that was number 17, so we're moving on to number 18. On, sorry, my computer is jumping around on me here. Uh, number 18 is on low vision magnification or low vision electronic magnification technology. Resolution 2022-18, Low Vision Electronic Magnification Technology, submitted by Stephen Mendelson. Whereas ACB has advocated since 2008 for reforms in federal rules denying coverage for video magnification and other low vision devices to Medicare recipients with low vision, and whereas the American Council of the Blind has during that time worked with the Central Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, Congress and a range of organizations interested in providing coverage for electronic magnifiers and other durable medical equipment for people with low vision that can be utilized by people who are blind or have low vision. And whereas, despite sporadic bipartisan sponsorship for this initiative, we are really no closer to moving this initiative forward than we were a decade ago. And whereas Medicare Managed Care, MMA programs, are demonstrating some initiatives in devising and implementing support for the provision of some products and services outside the usual scope of other Medicare programs. Now therefore be it resolved by the American Council of the Blind in Convention assembled this day of July 2022 at the CHI Health Center Omaha in Omaha, Nebraska, that the Advocacy Services Steering Committee develop an approach that will allow outreach to some of these Medicare managed care organizations, including Medicare Advantage plans, to determine whether our interest in durable medical equipment for people with low vision and vision services can be forwarded by working with this kind of Medicare hybrid entity, and be it further resolved that at the same time as we are seeking blindness-specific service delivery and equipment provision through these groups, the Advocacy Services Committee of the American Council of the Blind is hereby instructed to explore under what laws, legal remedies, and the unconditional intransigence of CMS and other elements of Medicare who have remained stubbornly unwilling to entertain blindness-specific provisions even as pilot projects can be challenged, and be it further resolved that the Advocacy Services Committee shall provide a report to the ACB Board of Directors no later than the 2023 Leadership Conference describing the specific actions taken and recommendations made. All right. Uh, Gabe, what does the Resolutions Committee recommend? The Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass. I so move. 
And I have been asked to apologize on Guillermo's behalf for a misread uh, when reading out the full name of CMS. All right, thank you. Wanted to get that out before we went any further. Okay. <laughs> all right, have all hands been lowered in the Zoom room? First, focusing in the ballroom, do we have any points of order, points of information or clarification? Yes. All right. Please seek a microphone. Yes, this is June. I do have a point of clarification. I'm sorry it was read so quickly. What we're trying to ask for is an advocacy committee to assist with this. I just needed to make sure. Yeah, I believe what it called for was that the advocacy steering committee would take a look uh, at this resolution. And Thank help, you. It helped to structure and approach thank you and, and mr. mr. Pre mr. president it's actually um, I think there's a couple of different resolved clauses here that one refers to the advocacy steering committee and one is the advocacy services committee That's so it's, it's going saying. to be eventually involving both groups or both entities right and the advocacy services committee for those that don't know kind of deals more with legal type approaches Whereas the advocacy steering committee, you know, is a conglomerate, the advocacy service committee chair reports to the advocacy steering committee, which deals with uh, kind of all broader advocacy issues. Thank you for the clarification. Yes. I do want to have, have okay, one other point. Okay, first of all, is there anyone else in the ballroom seeking clarification? Yes, there is one okay. other person. All right. Go ahead. Can I tell? Yes, you can go. Uh, the question I have is, if this were to pass, uh, right now I'm with a particular insurance company that allows me to buy things that sighted people can use, like the monitor for your glucose and all that stuff that are non-visual, I mean that they are visual. Will that allow us to get those things purchased for us in a medium that we can use them? I that, thank you for that question. I think this is dealing with low vision aids, but Gabe, would you want to clarify? You are correct, sir. This one is, is aimed at low vision aids, basically things with uh, like vid video magnifiers, things that have a lens on them that um, Medicare Medicaid does not currently cover. Uh, the stuff I think you're talking about is more the durable medical equipment that has been uh, covered in, in previous resolutions and, and elsewhere in ACB. Okay, thank you. Any other questions of clarification or information from the ballroom? Hearing none, we'll now move over to Zoom. So are all hands lowered in Zoom, Nancy? No. All right, lower all hands. Just a minute. So in Zoom, when when Dan is doing the point of clarification. If you cannot raise your hand in Zoom until he announces it, that would make it go faster. Okay, Dan. All right, now please raise your hand in Zoom if you have a point of information, clarification, or a point of order. Sharon Strzalski. Sharon, you're recognized. Hi, thank you. I'm a little confused about how this differs from the legislative imperative that we had um, at the mid-year and that we've been pursuing. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I'll, I'll try to answer that. We have 
course, tried legislatively and many for what, Clark, three, maybe three or four uh, uh, congressional sessions in a, since 2014? Since 2013, we have entered, in, introduced a low vision uh, demonstration bill to ask for Medicare and Medicaid to provide funding in this area. It has never gained enough support to pass the House, much less go to the Senate. So at this point in time, I believe this resolution says, are there alternative approaches, which our advocacy team uh, does look at on a regular basis, related to insurance providers and other um, legal avenues to maybe get to the same means if we cannot get there through the legislative uh, track. Diane Galsey. Diane Galsey. Yes, it does. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Sharon. <laughs> and now, okay. Diane. Okay, yes. In the um, <clears throat> second, be it resolved, um, there's some some words um, that I, I I would like to have maybe a English translation of. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, I, I'm wondering what CMS is and what what do we mean by um, unconscionable intransigence. Gabe? Uh, CMS is Senate for Medicare Medicaid, I believe. And uh, as far as your second question, I'm trying to find the spot so that I can remind myself because I'm not sure I speak that level of non-English either. Uh, Clark will be happy to try to uh, provide those definitions if you're okay with it, Gabe. Yes, that, I'd be okay. fine with that. Okay, I, I take, uh, Director I take of Advocacy and Governmental I, I Affairs, Clark. Go ahead, Clark. I take Great. all assistance, especially thanks. from Clark. <laughs> thanks, Dan, and thanks, Gabe. So CMS's Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and uh, let's see if I can even pronounce it, uh, inconscionable intransigence. Uh, basically, we, we do not understand why CMS has not changed their policy to uh, limit coverage for low vision devices as interpreted in 2008. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Diane. What's next point of information clarification or point of order? Ted Chittenden. Oh, that's me. Thank you. Um, All right, just very quickly, very similar to the first question, would passage of this resolution have any effect whatsoever upon our legislative efforts in this area? I don't believe so. I mean, obviously, if we get a solution that way, then we won't maybe need to pursue the legislative efforts. But I don't think pursuing these efforts will limit us to continue to pursue the legislative approach as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Next point of information or clarification. Alice Reichardt. Just a point of information that may help too. What this allows us to do is to go to places like your Advantage plans are now covering eyeglasses, lenses, and even some of your private insurance will cover it. And so if we go this approach is kind of what this resolution says, we may be able to finally get in the door with our low vision things by going through them instead of waiting on CMMS to make a decision and do something. Hope that helps. Thank you, Alice. Our next person on Zoom. Peggy Ann Clark. Hi. Um, my question is, is it's twofold. It's real quick, though. 
it's for Medicare and Medicaid. And the other thing is, is does it cover CCTVs as well as like the wearable magnifiers um, that like have like the lenses in them? Like, that's that's exactly what it covers is low okay. vision magnif electronic low vision magnifying aids. Okay. And what about Medicare and Medicaid? Is it for both of them or is it for all insurances? Right now they do not cover them. There is right. a total exemption on them by Medicare and Medicaid. Okay. okay. Next okay. point Thank of information you. or clarification. Jewel. Um, is there a reason that this would cover only a low vision? as opposed to all blindness related aids and the reason would not be necessary but appreciated whoa, 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 whoa. don't don't start opining uh th th yes this resolution only covers low vision magnification electronic aids it's not it's not is, yes my question is is there a reason for that or is it because that's the resolution okay all right. Yeah. Thank you. I don't mean to be glib, but but that's the focus of it. I wasn't. I wasn't. I apologize. I wasn't trying to put my opinion forth. Just I, I, I apologize. For if I, a I, yes, I, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Be, yeah. Thank you. It's okay. Thank, Thank you, you, Jill. Okay. Last five nine seven. Phone number ending in five nine seven. Yeah, this is Calander. Um. What my question is, I've been hearing a lot about electronic magnifiers. Would they make magnifiers that will actually speak? Gabe, I'll let you take that. Maybe you heard it better than I did. I, it was a little crackly for me as well, but I believe you were asking if there's any magnification devices that will actually speak as well. Yes. Hold, hold on, hold um, on. I think, hold on, hold on. I think we heard you magnifiers that speak. And so, Gabe, yes. uh, if you could clarify that, please. Yes. Um, I, I believe there are some out there, but regardless of whether they speak or not, um, I don't think that changes the, the thrust of this resolution or what CMS would cover. If it's classified as a low vision device and it has a, a lens on it, then they are not covering it. Thank you. All right, we'll now move over to uh, debate. So in the ballroom, who would like to speak in favor or, or against the resolution? Do we have anybody seeking a microphone in the ballroom to speak for or against resolution 18? Yes, Mr. in Chairman. section C. Okay, Michael Byington? I'm wishing to speak against. Okay, you're, I said for or against, so you wish to speak against? Yes. Okay, so noted. Do we have anybody in the ballroom that would like to speak for Resolution 18? Paul Edwards would like to speak in favor. This reminds me of old times here. <laughs> All right, do we have anybody else in the ballroom that would like to speak for or against this resolution? Charlie Glazer in favor. Charlie Glazer in favor. So we have two fours and one against. Do we have anybody else in the ballroom that would like to speak against the resolution? Anyone else in the ballroom who would like to speak against? I see no one else at the microphone. Okay, now we'll go. Put, are all hands lowered in the Zoom room? Not yet. All okay, right. Okay, Dan. All hands are lowered? Yep. 
All right, do we have anyone in the Zoom room that would like to speak against the resolution? Against the resolution. No hands wish to speak against. Okay, in that case, we have two fours and one against. So I'm right. going to begin debate. First, we will hear from Paul Edwards speaking for the resolution. Thank you, Mr. President. Really, two points to make, and it shouldn't take me more than 45 seconds. The first point is to say that this resolution is seeking to use some of the new hybrid Medicare plans to see if we can get them to provide some of the medical services that Medicare itself won't provide. And these plans have a little bit more latitude than some other places do. But the second thing we're trying to do with this resolution is to essentially say to CMS, you guys have essentially ignored us for long enough and we're not prepared to wait any longer and try a gentle legislative approach that asks for a pilot project and says, please, sir, may I have some more? Instead, we're going to seek to find some remedies that will seriously uh, deal with the question of whether it's appropriate for blind people to deny, to be denied medical equipment that virtually every other disability group has access to. Thank you, Paul. And now we'll hear from Michael Byington to speak against the resolution. Thank you very much, Mr. President. First of all, as a low vision person who uses this technology and who has spent many, many dollars on it over the years, and has represented people who were appealing Medicare and Medicaid denials in uh, administrative law judge uh, situations. I am avidly for the coverage of low vision AIDS uh, electronic as described in the resolution uh, under uh, Medicare and Medicaid. My reason for being opposed to this particular approach and resolution is that there is a certain hierarchy which is absolutely solid and isn't going to change. When I was appealing decisions for uh, clients on this issue, I won some of them because the definitions of DME provided by CMS clearly should cover uh, the low vision aids. However, what CMS did was that then promulgated a, a regulation that says even if it says something that makes it seem like we ought to be covering these devices, we will not do it. Now, there is a hierarchy of the way coverage gets expanded. In almost all cases when you're talking about major items that cost several hundred dollars or in some cases several thousand, Medicare and Medicaid take the first step for coverage. And then some of the uh, in private insurance plans and so on begin to slowly creep forward in addition. I think that we need to continue to be laser focused on getting legislation passed to say to CMS, you scum, you should not have defined us out of the regulations and we want this changed. And my fear 
is that if we start negotiating with private insurance companies and asking our staff to work in that area as well, we're going to take efforts away from really pushing that legislation for Medicare and Medicaid coverage, which is in fact what we need to start the ball rolling. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Now we'll hear from Charlie Glazer. Charlie? Thank you. Um, I'm going to paraphrase to some degree what Paul and both Alice said. We've been uh, advocating for this legislation for quite a number of years. And what it, the basic legislation is, is advocating for a demonstration project. And the most important factor is that there's a dollar amount attached to that. And I believe it was $5 million. And we can't get that through Congress. I think what we need to do is continue our efforts through legislation, but if we also make an effort toward the private insurance companies, their lobbying effects may help us in getting our legislation passed. Whether they choose to honor us or not, if, if they will inadvertently help us with Congress, I think it would be beneficial. That's all. Thank you, Charlie. Just a minor point of clarification. The bill called for $2.5 million a year for five years for a total of $12.5 million. But thank you. What, what's a few million in rounding with the federal government? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right. At this point in time, our debate period has ended, and we will now uh, move forward with the calling of the question. So this is resolution 18 related to low vision devices. All right, uh, Nancy, are all hands lowered in the Zoom room? Yes, they are. All right, all hands being lowered. All those in favor of resolution 18 related to expanded approaches for low vision electronic devices signify by raising your hand in the Zoom room. At this point in time, we'll turn our focus towards the ballroom. Again, this is resolution 18 related to low vision medical electronic device expansion approach. So, paraphrasing, I apologize, but trying to get to the essence of the, of the, of the resolution. So at this point in time, all those in favor of resolution 18 signify by saying aye. aye. All those opposed signify by saying no. All right, the eyes overwhelmingly have it in the ballroom. Now we'll go back to Nancy. Are all hands lowered in Zoom, Nancy? All hands are lowered. Hearing that all hands are lowered in Zoom, all those who wish to vote against Resolution 18, please raise your hands. All right, the results of the Zoom room were 128 for and 14 against. In the ballroom, the overwhelming response, almost everyone was yay or yes. So the chair declares that the, mo the resolution has passed. Hearing only 14 in the Zoom room that voted against and only two or three in the ballroom, there is no need for a standing um, a, a rule for a standing vote on whether we have a record vote or not. So having heard that, Resolution 18 is now adopted.
All right, at this point in time, we have a silver lining here, folks. At this point in time, we have no resolutions that have been amended and required a record vote to vote on the amendment. That's what we were going to vote on on the 11th, the evening of the 11th. We're going to do two things on July 11th. We were going to do a vote on any amendments to resolutions, and we were going to discuss any amendments and debate on our four three constitution and one bylaw amendments that have been proposed. So right now, I believe the approach for us is we will hear the standing rules read for the first time, then we will reconvene at 11 central on the 11th, where we will continue to debate our final seven resolutions. There will be no need for a democracy, keep saying democracy, for a vote now, uh, individual vote or a roll call vote on the 11th. If in our final seven resolutions, we end up with a need for a vote on an amendment to a resolution, we will do that vote on the 12th where we also have a placeholder for any amendments to the presented amendments to the Constitution and resolutions. If we have no amendments that require a record vote, once we get through the 11th, then the final vote on both the resolutions and the Constitution and bylaw amendments will be on the 13th. So I think we still have plenty of time to get this done. So at this point in time, we will hear the reading of the first reading of the proposed amendments to the Constitution and bylaws. I'll now turn it over to John McCann, our Constitution and Bylaws Chair. Report of the ACB Constitution and Bylaws Committee, July 4, 2022. The Constitution and Bylaws Committee is pleased to submit the following proposed amendments to ACB's Constitution and Bylaws to the membership and recommends a due pass on all amendments set forth herein. Respectfully submitted, John A. McCann, Chair, ACB Constitution and Bylaws Committee. 2022-01, Proposed Amendment to ACB Constitution, Article Roman Numeral 6, Paragraph C, to expressly specify that written electronic communications are acceptable when ACB board members request that a meeting of the board's executive committee be held. Article Roman numeral 6, powers and duties of the conference and convention, the officers, the board of directors, and committees. Current language. C, the Board of Directors shall be the governing body of this organization between conferences and conventions, provided that it shall make no policy decisions and take no official action in conflict with existing decisions or actions of the conference and convention. Two, the Board of Directors is hereby authorized to establish an executive committee consisting of five members selected and constituted in the following manner. Two members shall be elected by and from among the ten directors. Two members shall be elected by and from among the five officers and the immediate past president. The president shall serve as chairperson. 
except for the president, no executive committee member shall serve for more than two consecutive one-year terms. The executive committee shall meet at the call of the president or upon the written request of three of its members. Such request shall be sent by any method which provides for written proof of receipt at least five calendar days prior to the proposed meeting day. In order to expedite the conduct of business, which cannot wait until a regularly scheduled meeting of the Board of Directors, the Executive Committee shall be authorized to act on behalf of the Board of Directors between regular meetings of that board, provided it shall make no policy decisions and take no official action in conflict with existing decisions or actions of the Board of Directors or the Conference and Convention. Minutes of each executive committee meeting shall be sent to each member of the board of directors within 15 days after the executive committee meeting or at least seven days prior to the next meeting of the board of directors, whichever occurs first. Proposed. Strike the fifth sentence and replace with the following. Such requests shall be sent via any means of written electronic communication at least five calendar days prior to the proposed meeting date. If adopted, Article 6, Paragraph C would then read, The Board of Directors shall be the governing body of this organization between conferences and conventions, provided that it shall make no policy decisions and take no official action in conflict with existing decisions or actions of the conference and convention. The Board of Directors is hereby authorized to establish an executive committee consisting of five members selected and constituted in the following.